From the unforgettable Dave Cockrum design to the swashbuckling heart of the X-Men in the pages of Chris Claremont and Company's comics, Nightcrawler has long been my favorite mutant. I remain elated by the opening sequence of Nightcrawler and X2 X-Men United and forever lament the character's general absence in the 90s animated series. As the character develops in comics, Kurt Wagner's Christianity becomes a more integral part of his story. Not quite as integral as, say, Daredevil's Catholicism or even Kamala Khan's Islamic faith, but certainly notable among the X-Men. Today I'll answer, what has Nightcrawler's religion looked like through comics history? Is there space for Nightcrawler's Christianity on Krakoa? What does this history tell us about what to expect in 2021's Way of X, the ongoing series starring Nightcrawler and beyond in the Hickman era of X-Men? Hey everybody, and welcome to Cracking Krakoa. Cohen number 181. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. If you like the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing, and commenting. It all helps me out a great deal. You can find full X-Men reading orders, including character order for Nightcrawler on comicbookherald.com, spoilers for some discussed comics throughout Nightcrawler history, as we pretty much go from his origins to today, will follow. In the present, Nightcrawler's role as the religious thinker among Krakoa's quiet council of mutant leaders leads into the new series, Way of X, in which Kurt's quest for a mutant religion and finding meaning in this new era of mutant kind takes the forefront. I find it interesting to contemplate how Kurt's Christianity has progressed through the decades, where it's led to, and what it means now for the Hickman era of X-Men comics. This is absolutely the focus of Way of X by writer Cy Spurrier with art by Bob Quinn, and it's going to be a very interesting conversation as Nightcrawler uh, attempts to determine what a mutant religion specifically can look like in the Marvel verse. The first time we really see Nightcrawler's religion comes during the original Brood Saga by Chris Claremont and Paul Smith, particularly in Uncanny X-Men number 164. Wolverine observes Nightcrawler praying, in Latin no less, and is surprised. It's a really beautiful moment of developing friendship as Logan and Kurt briefly examine their diametrically opposed views on finding comfort in religion, with Kurt lamenting how alone Wolverine must feel without that presence, and Wolvie saying, I ain't alone, bub, I got you. We see a very similar dynamic between Wolverine and Nightcrawler as they become, you know, really best friends in the Marvel Universe and on X-Men teams. We see this exact dynamic mirrored 35 years later with Nightcrawler and Wolverine in House of X number four, of course, right before they jump into the breach and it's all all very very impressive work I think to solidify that friendship over the years despite these characters differences Nightcrawler's religion resurfaces significantly during the Uncanny X-Men tie-ins with Secret Wars 2, an atrocious Marvel event that disgraces the Secret Wars name, but Claremont is one of the original tie-in masters, so of course the X-Men issues are actually pretty good. Secret Wars 2 focuses on the nigh-all-powerful Beyonder coming to Earth, and for the X-Men this leads to events like a showdown with Rachel Summers, Phoenix, and the Beyonder unmaking the new mutant kids basically on a whim. Following a confrontation with the Beyonder, Nightcrawler, then leader of the X-Men, literally flees to church to talk to his priest. I need to talk to Michael or I shall go mad. I fear I have beheld the face of God, only to discover that he is a monster. This is very unsettling for Nightcrawler, and it's an interesting conversation because in the Marvel Universe, beholding literal gods is very much a possibility. Kurt mentions as much, but notes that in comparison to the Beyonder, they are as nothing. The Beyonder's godlike powers, the absolute omnipotence of them, really makes Kurt question his faith, and in the absence of that faith, can't help but sink into utter despair. I find this whole thread fascinating because growing up with religion, there are a lot of parallels and metaphors that make Nightcrawler's relationship to God relatable. Drawing strength from prayer in moments of strife, resolving oneself to faith in a higher unknowable power for security, I get that. 
But when you start to work that relatable situation up against the flip and beyonder, the parallels wash right out the door. In my day-to-day, the closest I've come to seeing the face of God is standing next to Patrick Ewing in an airport urinal. Not quite the same thing as coming up against the beyonder, unmaking the mutants, and displaying a level of power that like basically drives Nightcrawler to say, I am lost. He has lost his purpose. This definitely highlights one of the challenges with traditional religions in our world as carried through to the Marvel Universe, the sheer amount of cosmic and supernatural miracle heroes encounter over decades of storytelling. It makes me think of Daredevil in War of the Realms, quite literally transformed into a god, and then returning heavily to his Catholic guilt and roots in the pages of Chip Zdarsky-written Daredevil shortly thereafter, or of Reed Richards somewhat famously espousing a version of atheism or agnosticism to his children in the Matt Fraction-written Fantastic Four, in a world where the Fantastic Four literally travel to heaven to bring Ben Grimm back to life in the Mark Wade and Mike Rowingo run, right? There are contradictions in the Marvel Universe as characters try to determine, you know, God and religion. Appropriately, the Beyonder really shakes up Nightcrawler. Thanks to the Beyonder, all the things that had meaning for me that gave me I, that gave my existence purpose are dead, destroyed. I don't know who I am anymore, Amanda, or even why I am. This is a recurring theme for me with Nightcrawler, and one of the things I admire most about his character in that Nightcrawler is a Christian who questions, okay? He questions a lot and kind of everything. He's a character with a tremendously empathetic heart and a deep curiosity to explore and question the dogma and unwavering rigidity that can accompany the worst examples of religious manifestation. Nightcrawler doubts, and given everything he's experienced, he should. Part of faith, though, real faith as I understand it, is interrogating doubt and coming out the other side with newfound perspective. This is often one of Nightcrawler's greatest strengths as we see him do this time and time again. Now, not too long after this point in comics, Nightcrawler is knocked into a long coma during the events of the Mutant Massacre, and when he recovers, he joins up with Kitty Pryde, Rachel Summers, Brian Baddock, and Megan in Excalibur. There's less focus on Kurt's faith during this time period as the team travels the Marvel Marvel multiverse in a cross-time caper that lasts long enough to at least make me question if there is a god after all. I actually think one of the most influential moments in cementing Crawler as deeply Christian occurs in the X-Men 90s animated series in the opener to Season 4, appropriately titled Nightcrawler. Kurt isn't a part of the 90s animated lineup, much to my eternal chagrin, so this episode gives us his origin. Instead of rescued by Charles Xavier and joining the all-new, all-different X-Men, Nightcrawler is rescued by a monastery after he's abandoned by his mother, here canonically cemented as Mystique, and raised to be a monk, which is pretty religious. Monks? pretty religious. (laughs) The episode really emphasizes faith and Christianity at the center of Nightcrawler's world. Indeed, as viewers, that's about all we see. And somewhat comically, you know, it remixes the Kurt and Logan scene from Brute Saga here in the animated series to the point that the episode ends with Wolverine literally praying in a cathedral, which I do have to credit Chris Claremont for, like, never going that route in Uncanny X-Men. They highlight differences between Nightcrawler and Wolverine, and they are friends uh, despite them, or, you know, in, you know, they don't, they don't allow that, right? This rendition definitely influences the most notable mainstream media debut of Nightcrawler, Pride of the X-Men. <laughs> okay, no. In X2, X-Men United, I'll always love X2, and the opening flash of the hypnotized Nightcrawler assassin absolutely astonished me. But one thing you definitely see here is like Nightcrawler is very, very religious. We see this kind of connection of Crawler as this, you know, very, um, you know, kind of Catholic individual living in a church with crucifixes everywhere and, and these tattoos all over that's definitely clinging more i think to again these brief illusions of christianity these brief mentions of christianity in the comics but more so i would say even the 90s animated series which is again like that is that is the core basis of crawler's character This commitment to Christian Kurt extends as X-Men comics entered the 2000s as well, with writer Chris Claremont returning to the franchise to write X-Men number 100 and opening with a revelation. 
Kurt has become a priest. Now, if you're thinking, when in the world did, you know, when in the wide world of young popes did Nightcrawler become a priest, don't worry. It's a frequently overlooked period that didn't last too long. I'll admit this one vexed me for a long time, too, because Claremont opens with Crawler's priesthood as if that had been alluded to in previous comics. But as far as I'm aware, it's a sudden Claremont-verse development that begins here as part of a Hickman-esque six-month-later mysterious time gap. I don't think there's a previous comic that actually like, explains Nightcrawler becoming a priest. Trust me, I have looked. I don't think it happens. This is the first we see of it in X-Men number 100. Now, Nightcrawler's serenity as a priest is quickly disturbed by Claremont's introduction of the Neo, aka X-Men theorist's favorite go-to reference. It's not happening, Neoheads. As he and Dr. Cecilia Reyes are repeatedly pushed into violent confrontation with the evolutionary up-and-comers. We see Nightcrawler praying, espousing the gospel, and primarily requesting and attempting to grant absolution for the violence that comes as part of being a hunted and hated mutant. Priest Crawler has limited appearances, and for my money, some of the most interesting come in the all-but-forgotten four-issue 2001 Magic miniseries by Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning, and Liam Sharp. The mini-comics after, or the mini, comes after Amanda Sefton, Kurt's former romantic interest way back in, you know, the Claremont days of Uncanny X-Men, takes over as the new Magic, the ruler of Limbo, and brings in the new priest into a, a eldritch adventure through all the splinter realms of demons and chaos, as Crawler and Amanda confront Limbo, Nightmare, Mephisto, Dormammu, and a whole lot more. The mini doesn't dig too deeply into the question, but it's yet another example of Nightcrawler literally bearing witness to the hordes of hell in all sorts of variety, and just considering all the ways that that would make one question or solidify, um, you know, the the truth that they feel the veracity of their religion. Now, as for why we don't hear more about Nightcrawler's time as a priest, that's primarily because the most notable examples of story that, you know, occur during this period are during the Chuck Austin run of Uncanny X-Men. And if you're familiar with the Draco, when Chuck Austin tells us Nightcrawler's father is literally the demon Azrael and his mother is Mystique, you know this run is notoriously considered some of the worst Nightcrawler storytelling of all time. And they're not wrong. The Draco is a very, very bad X-Men comic. I'm not willing to label myself an Austin apologist, but as I've discussed on here, since I didn't experience this run in the moment, I definitely don't have the same widely accepted resentment and, you know, hatred of this run that a lot of fans carry. And honestly, I'm regularly impressed, or at least surprised given the reputation, by Austin's attempts to have real conversations, attempts, mind you, that tackle real subject matters in the pages of X-Men. In Holy War, Austin opens with captions telling us more people have died in the name of religion than cancer, and we try to cure cancer, as he remarks, and is quite clearly wrestling with evil done in the name of religion throughout the story. These are heavy topics and not necessarily handled with overt kid gloves, which I think is to Austin's credit. He is trying to deal with some very, very heavy themes here in the pages of X-Men, which the metaphor often does extend to sometimes successfully. Of course, then we come to the plot and the wheels fall off, or more accurately, the communion wafers explode. Stay with me here because we are about to go on a ride. In Holy War, aka Uncanny X-Men 423 and 424, the Church of Humanity, a violently anti-mutant religious sect, literally crucifies a number of mutants on the front lawn of the X-Mansion, including Jubilee and longtime Gen Xer Skin, who dies here. The grotesque murders are Austin's way of showcasing how script scripture can be manipulated and interpreted to cause widespread pain, malice, and hate. Shortly after, Cyclops dresses Kurt down and shouts, Are you brain dead? Then Kurt mentions his priesthood. And the X-Men all wonder why they weren't invited to the ceremony. Kurt thinks they were, and it's revealed that Kurt's journey to priest was all an extremely elaborate hoax by the Church of Humanity, part of a plot to make Nightcrawler the Pope. 
I'll pause here to provide space for you to stop laughing before we continue, but seriously, they really wanted to make Nightcrawler the Pope. Why did the Church of Humanity want Pope Crawler, aside from the fact that those comics would have been incredible? Well, they planned to remove his image inducer during a Pope speech, revealing that instead of looking exactly like Jude Law in a Speedo, Kurt was devilishly blue, and this would convince Catholics the world over that the mutant Antichrist had infiltrated the Church, driving mutant hatred crusades everywhere. Oh, and exploding communion wafers would explode priests all around the world to make it look like the rapture had happened and, you know, we were entering revelations, the biblical revelations. It's a, which it, it occurs to me, or it occurred to me while researching this, apparently revelations is not a part <laughs> of Catholicism to begin with. So I don't know that Chuck Austin was necessarily the most brushed up on uh, on his religious text here. It's a wild plan. That's not that's not even the biggest problem with it to begin with, clearly. So yes, Priest Crawler is actually retconned to have never happened, which is kind of hilariously okay with Kurt because he was already like kind of out on it because he couldn't give up Temptations of the Flesh anyway, <laughs> which, fair enough, go get, go get some Kurt. And again, shortly thereafter, it's also revealed that Kurt's the son of a demon and mystique. Plot insanity aside, I do find a lot of value in considering yet another example where Kurt placing his faith fully in God, literally to the point of an intended priesthood, is met with horror. To say Nightcrawler's faith has been challenged is an understatement. Nightcrawler's faith is especially interesting when you see the direct ways Christianity is twisted in X-Men alone. You know, you have God loves, man kills, and of course this holy war story that I just discussed. Religion is and will always be a sensitive topic for many readers, and I continue to find Nightcrawler's positive, curious, and evolving relationship a benefit to the X-Men universe, because it opens it up to the kinds of epistemological and cosmological questions we're seeing tackled in Way of X. In the My Marvelous Year Reading Club, where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today, I've definitely seen religious readers bristle at the portrayal of Christianity in the Claremont verse, most notably in God Loves, Man Kills, where evangelical preacher William Stryker manipulates his religious influence into an anti-mutant crusade. Despite his demonic appearance, despite everything he's seen, despite so many examples of religion gone bad, despite literal temptation from the devil himself, Mephisto, Nightcrawler consistently provides hope in the face of all this. Nightcrawler is definitely the positive argument for, you know, sort of this faith and this this absolute sort of unwavering ability to come back and connect to these these sacred tenements that he has relied on all his life. One of the wildest wrinkles in all of Nightcrawler's religious exploration is that following his death in the X-Men Second Coming crossover, Nightcrawler literally goes to heaven which is where we find him in the quietly underrated Amazing X-Men story, The Quest for Nightcrawler, which to me sure feels like one of those take-the-doubt-out-of-the-equation kind of developments. He literally went to heaven. Nonetheless, because Nightcrawler ultimately sacrifices his place in heaven to keep Asriel trapped, and Kurt returns to Earth, more or less fulfilling his own mutant death and resurrection well before Krakoa, the sequence puts him on a path to what we see in the Hickman era of X-Men. If the Catholic journey was always faith-rewarded with a heavenly afterlife, what happens when that afterlife is actually just a part of the journey? This is something that Nightcrawler has been experiencing for years now because, again, he died, he was rewarded with heaven, and he left. He kind of jumps out of there because of an X-Men mission, because of the plot of Amazing X-Men. That is something now that mutants in the Krakoa era, because of resurrection, they may never experience or we don't really know, right? Because they always come back. It's kind of an interesting thing. Like, if you're reliant on heaven, what happens when you take that away? Given this development and the death of death in the Krakoa era of X-Men, a new mutant religion makes a lot of sense. On one hand, I think it's always made some sense, given human religions weren't ever built from mutant kind, and that we see so many branches of Christianity in the Marvelverse vilifying mutants. I don't think all mutants should just 
instantly reject their faith, particularly as it pertains to their human culture and heritage, but it's hard to look at a literal translation of known religions and see them fitting into the Marvelverse without even a mention or hint about how those teachings apply to mutants, right? It is conveniently omitted from all of the sacred texts. One thing I quite like about Nightcrawler's approach to mutant religion in Way of X number one is he looks at all these massive questions about mutant souls and the essence of being and says obvious questions and stupid questions, because even if they could be solved, they would not change how we truly live. Mutant religion as a path to purpose, as a foundational set of principle for living, this makes a lot of sense. And I think what we can expect Kurt to determine is that his purpose, remember, very much in question from our doubting Nightcrawler, is to provide others with purpose of their own moving forward. That is what mutant religion will be, and we'll see the rest of it unfold, of course, as Way of X develops. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You can support the site and the YouTube channel over on Patreon.com slash ComicBookHerald. Thanks so much to the Mysterious Benefactors who support the site at the $10 level. The Mysterious Benefactors tier, your support is greatly, greatly appreciated. Again, you can find my stuff at ComicBookHerald.com, at ComicBookHerald, pretty much anywhere on social. Look for the best comics ever in my Marvelous Year podcast for more from me. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and as always, enjoy the comics.